God clearly. And this morning I want to talk about the issue that we've all had a taste of, but it seems like some people have had the full course meal. And that is the problem of pain. And for our text, I want us to turn to the book of John, chapter 9. I want to look at the first seven verses. I want to ask you to stand in honor of our awesome God as I read a long text. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. blind but now I see Lord what great words I think of this man so long ago who had been blind from birth but because of you he sees he was able to see Father may that be the story of those who are gathered once we were blind now we see thanks be to Jesus our Lord and if there is someone listening whether in person or online or Still feel in the dark, the light of the world. I want you to see. So we pray, Father, that you speak to our hearts as we continue in this time to set our affections and our attention upon you, the one who deserves it. Lead us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of the things I consider to be courageous and some of the most heroic acts I've seen deal with people who face pain on a constant basis. I've seen people as they've struggled with uh, diseases such as cancer or frequent headaches and back issues and uh, one lady we've gotten to know recently who was in a car accident and Every step she takes, it's painful. You could walk near her, you could see the pain in her. Some people face a lot of pain. And, you know, I certainly do not want to volunteer for pain. But who does, right? And yet, through pain, God is able to teach and, and to speak to us. And I love that Philippians 3.10, you know, where... Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Get up to this point. And he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so that somehow I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. So he's saying, this idea of growing close to Jesus, you know, we always say, I want to be close to Jesus. I'm sold out to him. But that process 
as you look in the scriptures, um, in the book of Psalms, man, there's a lot of pain. Psalm 77, uh, the psalmist is just very honest. He says, Lord, I'm, I'm in distress. I'm crying out to you. Please answer me, Lord. I'm in a bad state. Can't sleep. <laughs> uh, he, he just lays it on the line. And, and I love it in the Psalms of the honesty. Uh, he, he was facing pain in, in that difficult time. And then the book of Lamentations, the word uh, is based on lament, which means to wail or to cry out. And in the book of Lamentations, people were broken and they were in pain. And then, of course, Jesus himself is described as a man of sorrows and acquainted and familiar with grief. And so God knows. He knows pain, and he actually experienced pain through the cross on our behalf. And, and I want to just go down through an outline here, the four points as we look at this scripture. And the first is that pain produces questions. In verse 1, Jesus and his disciples are passing by, and they see this guy who is blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, uh, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? He was at the place of the temple, I guess, uh, you know, a place a beggar would choose because as people come to the temple, they're aware of how great God is and how blessed they are and, and how guilty they may feel. So maybe I should reach in my pocket and take out a couple of coins and put it in that cup <laughs> out, of, out of guilt. What else was he to do? Born blind, it was very difficult for him to find any kind of work. It was very difficult for him to go through the normal functions for those who were able to see. And so he was a beggar. And the disciples, as they looked at him, the questions rose through their mind. And the first thing they asked is, there's a reason for this. There's got to be a reason for this, Lord. Why is he blind? So he must have sinned or somebody sinned for this to happen. And this problem of pain and this problem of suffering, as we look around us, it's really hard to deal with. It's hard to understand. Why? I've started listening um, some to uh, PragerU. I don't know if any of you guys listen to any PragerU stuff, but they've got this one section um, it's called The Stories of Us. And I was listening to one the other day, and I was very moved by it. It was a guy named Tim Ballard. Tim, when he was a young guy, he and his brother were playing, and, and a guy, two guys came by and grabbed Tim and his brother and tried to force them into a van. And they managed to escape. Tim never got over it. He thought, what could have happened to me? What could happen to my brother? What is happening to other children out there? And as he grew to an adult, he, he couldn't rest. And, and he thought, I've got, to, I've got to help these people. And, and so um, now he works for Homeland Security. He is in charge of the Underground Railroad. The objective is to free those from human trafficking. 
and his emphasis is on children. And Tim has nine kids. And he says sometimes when he thinks about those children, he sees his own children. As a matter of fact, he had to take a little bit of a break from his work because he said whenever I would, I would see other children who, who had been trapped and, and forced into prostitution or forced into some other kind of, of work as a slave, it would break his heart and he would see the faces of his own children. He was sent into one place where they knew that there were children who were in the trafficking. And uh, he posed as, you know, an American looking for a child to purchase, to buy for his own. He walked in um, to the room. It didn't take long until they took him to a, a specific building that had plenty of children to choose from. And he noticed the harshness. There was a guy in there, and he was yelling at these small kids, and he... He actually had like was like a whip. He was ready to strike these kids. And then he noticed this one little girl and a little boy next to her, and she was protecting this little boy, and it hit him. That's sister and brother. She's protecting the girl. Tim knew what he had to do, so he purchased those two children. They were friends. Once he managed to get out of the building and away, he, he said, don't worry, I'm on your side. And then he came, went through the necessary procedure. He, he got home and he told his wife the story and his wife said, we have to adopt those kids. And he said, no, 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 no. Anyway, they're part of those nine. <laughs> Now, um, Tim thought of the pain. Why? Why do, why do people end up in these situations? It, it's very difficult, especially when we think about those who don't deserve it. They're innocent. Why are they facing that kind of pain? C.S. Lewis, uh, for most of his life, uh, he was a bachelor. He began writing um, joy David and Gresham, and before long, a romance blossomed. They ended up getting married, and Joy ended up with terminal cancer. And C.S. Lewis was broken. Here's what he, he wrote. Um, Meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is in vain. What do you find? A door slammed in your face and the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. This is, this is what his life felt like. God, where are you? Where are you? Pain is unexplainable. They asked this question, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. And of course, we as Christians in the church, we've read our Bible, and, and we know, you know, I, I like to joke and say, well, everything that's wrong, it's a result of the fall, it's a result of the fall, it's a result of the fall. Why? Because of sin that entered the world and, and entered the picture. But you know what? <laughs> sin is not always the reason for the pain. Remember Job? Job was a man, he was blameless, and his three friends 
man, you had to see him. And they interrogated him, tried to find this sin that certainly was hidden, but it had to be there. There was no sin. It's not always as simple as you had to do something to deserve this. It doesn't always work that way. As a matter of fact, in that culture, uh, the Jewish people, they should have known better, but the Greek culture had managed to find its way into the Hebrew people. And there was an idea in Greek thinking that even in the womb, there's a soul that's kind of floating around and ends up in this person that is formed in the womb and that's growing. And, uh, you know, sometimes they were real sinful. Matter of fact, babies that kicked real hard, they were real angry. And probably not so nice of people <laughs> that will be born. And so the picture there is sin, even in those first moments, even in that development in the womb. Um, so there was a picture that suffering is, is because of sinful people, sinning people. Secondly, another reason, explanation, is because there's no God, and there are those out there who spend so much energy and so much time seeking to disprove the existence of God. Of course, I always come back to the point and say, you're saying everything happened out of chaos instead of out of... Man, that takes more faith for me to believe that it's just chaos. Well, this just happens. Yep. Richard Dawkins, a well-known atheist, wrote these words. In a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it or any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom. No design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. In common English, you're in trouble. You're in agony. There is no reason for the craziness that is going on in your life. But you know, if you say there's evil in the world, it must be because you know that there is good. You wouldn't understand what evil is if you didn't have some concept of what good is. In order to have a picture of evil, there has to be something to base that upon. Uh, it's like a test. You know, you go, I never liked tests because I thought they never showed what I really was. Maybe that's just an excuse I didn't study enough, but... Uh, you go in and take tests, some people make a 99 or, or a 90 or a 70 or a 45. Not that that was me, okay? <laughs> but some people, you know, make, but in order to make a grade, there has to be a standard to base that grade upon, which we know is 100. Otherwise, those numbers have no meaning. And, and so it is with evil in order to understand evil in order to understand good there has to be a standard there has to be a sense of morals of right and wrong and and that doesn't just come out of nowhere uh, we know that in the sense of the ten commandments we know in how god has revealed to us what is good and what is sin and as we have those laws that that speak to us and and uh make us clear god is there but then there's a third one here God is there, but he's weak. 
There's a book recently written, I don't know the title of it, we talked to a relative that was telling us about this book. There are some things God can't do. A number of years ago, a Jewish rabbi named Harold Kushner wrote a book, and, and I'm going to read just a few excerpts from his book. Uh, it was called, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. God would like people to get what they deserve in life, but he can't always arrange it. God has a hard time keeping chaos in check. And, and the picture here is that God is learning and he's growing. There are some things that he doesn't have quite yet, but don't worry, he's going to get there. Uh, we refer to that as process theology or open theology, which is this idea that God is not perfect, that God is not all-powerful, but that God is improving Man, what a scary thought. If God doesn't have it all together, we're never going to get it together. <laughs> and yet, these are all ideas of, of why there is pain. And pain is a complex problem. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered his disciples, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, the night is coming when no one is seeing. I love it here. Jesus didn't have pat answers. Well, let me give you the cliff notes. You know, let me give you the, the five-minute sermon that just wraps it up neatly with a bow. He, he doesn't give those simplistic answers of the suffering. For example, in Luke chapter 13, Jesus is approached, and the people that approach him, they're burdened over pain that is being experienced. Pontius Pilate had murdered some worshipers in the temple and mingled their blood with animal sacrifices. Secondly, the Tower of Siloam had fallen down unexpectedly, and 18 people lost their lives, and it just seemed senseless. And so... The people wanted to get in a debate with Jesus. Explain to us, why did this happen? But Jesus never gave them a pat answer or a clear, specific reason. Instead, he said this, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. What, what's he saying? He's saying, what matters most is, do you know God? Do you know him now? Do you walk with him? Is your hope there? In him, the living God. We quote Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. We think of Joseph and his brothers, and his brothers, you know, they're terrified when they understand, hey, that the guy that's in charge is our brother that we sold into slavery, threw into a pit. And he says, guys, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He had a deeper purpose. Now, I'm no chemist, but... A couple of items on the periodic table or elements on the periodic table. You've got sodium. Sodium in its pure form is some lethal stuff. You don't want to uh, take a munch out of some sodium by itself. Chloride is the same way, or chlorine, excuse me. Chlorine is the same way in its pure form. It would be dangerous. But when you mix sodium chloride, together it's table salt so 
each element by itself is not safe, but together in the right combination, they're very helpful to provide taste and flavor and preservation. And, and pain is also that way. I want to look just at a couple of reasons um, here in pain that God works through us. There benefits of pain. First, they strengthen us. I think of James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, to help us grow up and to become mature, to strengthen us. Another one of benefit is to correct us. Sometimes we just need discipline. Uh, Hebrews 12.11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Sometimes we just need a spiritual spanking. And the reason that a child is disciplined is to keep them from doing something that will bring more harm. It's to teach that child, this is wrong, it's not safe, and that's why the parent disciplines. C.S. Lewis uh, would say, pain plants the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel soul, as God wants. Third, pain equips us. God doesn't waste our pain. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he talks about how he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort we have received from God. He takes those pains that we face and he uses those as a bridge to comfort other people who are going through difficult times. And now I'm at my last point, guys, and then we'll we'll go on this horse stable. Pain moves us to help the hurting. The disciples are walking by and they see the blind guy and they make him the subject of their conversation. But Jesus makes him the object of his compassion. Lord, help us not just to make people we see the subject of our conversation, but show us how we can make them the object of our compassion. Verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the word Siloam translated means sent. And of course, Jesus was sent into the world to die for our sins. Compassion in action to follow Jesus' way. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. And every day is our mission. Lord, what's the day? What do you want me to do? We don't have it figured out. We have to be in constant contact with the master so that these people we run into and see are not merely subjects of conversation but objects of compassion. God, show me, show me what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be involved? Maybe it's just to pray for them, but maybe there's more to it. But Lord, just direct. Let me close with two questions in here. 
Number one, are you willing to embrace suffering if it drives you to God? don't volunteer for suffering but the good news about suffering is everything else is peeled away and in true suffering you come to a point where you realize there's only one place to really go are you willing to embrace suffering so that you can go there second question are you willing to alleviate suffering if it drives others to God are you willing to be that agent of compassion when that other person has lost all hope, just to give a little bit of love. Um, our son Daniel, I think I've told this story, but he was driving uh, one day in town and he, he saw this guy laying, uh, laying on the ground and he just stopped, got out of his car, found a blanket in the back of his car, went over there and gave him that blanket. Um, and he told us that story I'm not saying he does that kind of stuff all the time. I'm just saying, God, help us maybe see that a little more than we see it now. So they're not just a subject of conversation, but an object of compassion. Paul Brand was raised by missionary parents in India. The ministry dealt with a lot of lepers. Uh, because of leprosy, pain receptors and nerve receptors were destroyed and people could not feel pain. And as a result of that, there would be accidents where they would lose fingers and different body parts because they couldn't feel pain. So the pain was really a warning signal. Something needs to be fixed. That's why the pain was there. And so the question is, we say, man, I don't want any pain. But the pain may be there for a reason we haven't thought of. Maybe there's something in our lives that needs to be transformed, that needs to be fixed, that needs to be taken to Christ. And that pain is there because there's something that needs to be dealt with. He doesn't want that pain to be numb. Because if that pain is numb, there could be more pain on the way. Because we don't deal with the reason for the pain. That needs to be dealt with. Um, once upon a time, there was a small plant. It was stunted because it was right beneath this beautiful, large oak tree that provided shade. And a woodsman came and he cut down that magnificent tree, and the small plant began to cry. The sun is so hot. And my protector, my tree is gone. What am I going to do now? And the woodsman said, now you'll be able to grow because the sun is able to reach you. And so is the rain so that you're able to receive what you need in order to become stronger and to grow bigger. And you couldn't do that before when you were under the shade of the oak tree. So what was perceived as pain is really keeping the little plant from growing. And God wants to grow you. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you that we were able to be together again, Lord. And as we want to see you clearly, we can't 
ignore this issue of pain. We don't like it. We don't want it. But, Father, there is a reason for that pain. And I pray, Father, that you would teach us, help us, Father, um, give us hearts uh, to grow and to be transformed by you. And uh, I'm not trying to give pat answers to this, Lord. We need your help. Direct us in this important area, Lord, so that we might see you clearly. In Christ's name we pray.